0: Angela Johnson, welcome to the conversation today. Thank you so
1: much for having me.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Minneapolis. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today, we're going to be talking about how we can go about creating and sustaining collaborative leadership teams in our organization. Uh, This is something you have a tremendous amount of uh, experience and background in. And so I'm really excited to pick your brain and learn more about this And as, as we explore some ideas. As we get started, I wanted to share Angela's bio with everybody. Angela Johnson is a successful entrepreneur, author, educator, and coach who founded Collaborative Leadership Team in 2010 she mentors trains and empowers people to use a variety of techniques to achieve their professional goals and objectives and with over 24 years in helping leaders and teams of people Angela's client roster includes those in agent in uh, industries like agencies and services software hardware marketing financial services insurance and learning and development among others um, I'm going to pause there angela anything else you would like to highlight by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in
1: Um, Maybe this is helpful to some of your listeners. I consider myself a broken corporate employee. So when I did found the company in 2010, it was largely just to have an entity, you know, to market my services to Mm -hmm. to other organizations. And I attracted like-minded people and just kind of got busy. So here Mm -hmm. I am in my 14th year with a team and we now have a brick and mortar space. We also have an event center here in the twin cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul. So um, it's just been a wild ride. So, you know, there may be people who very clearly set out to start their own business and be a leader, you know, of their own team and, and, you know, have a physical space. And there may be people like me who are like, gosh, that sounds overwhelming to start my own company. Mm. No, I mean, you can do it. If I, if I did it, anybody can do it.
0: Yeah. Well that's awesome. Uh and I, I would say similarly, uh that's kind of how I got going with all my stuff. You know, I'm I'm a professor. That's like my first and foremost role and how I identify myself and that's my day job. Um, but you know, years ago what was it? 16 years ago. You know, I started my own uh, little consulting business uh, to do things. And and over time, it's just kind of grown and and, yeah. and gained momentum. And it's it's become something more than I ever thought it would be, right? And that's exciting. Um, but it also, I have complete control over it, which is also wonderful. So, um, it's a blessing you know, and a curse. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse. But I, anyways, I resonate with how you were just describing <laughs> your background and experience with your company. Uh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, as we get Started. Um, I know one of the things you you refer to yourself as is a people geek. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. What do you mean by people geek? Uh, I, I was actually just yesterday. Uh, we had you know family over for dinner. Um, uh, my daughter brought her boyfriend over, and my my ten year old son. He's like joking with with my older daughter's boyfriend he's like you know the first time I saw you I thought you look like such a nerd and we all chuckled because I'm like we're all nerds in here and we're all geeks (laughs) in different ways and that just means we're passionate about stuff right that means exactly (laughs) like we we pay attention to things more than maybe the average person does so anyways what do you mean by people geek um how does that relate to the work that you do
1: Exactly that. I love working with people. My worst nightmare would be sitting alone, you know, heads down, focusing. Like if somebody said, would you like to be a certified public accountant? Ooh, hard pass. (laughs) You know, I, I need to be around people. I need to help people. I need to observe. And that's my sweet spot is when I can help people realize they just literally talked past one another You know, I, Mm -hmm. I excel at that neutral objective facilitation and sometimes just people aren't even aware that that's a needed skill. There's a group of female entrepreneurs that I belong to here in the twin cities. And sometimes I just fall into that facilitation mode just because of years and years and years of doing it. And so there were 30 people in that virtual call. And it was a nightmare for people Mm. to get a word in edgewise or to even understand one another. So I just jumped into facilitation mode, started stacking the conversation. Oh, you first, then you second and and keeping it flowing. And one of the women said, oh my gosh, I didn't even know I needed that till we just experienced (laughs) it. And I said, that's, that's what I do, right? That's, that's, that's my gift is being a people geek, tuning in to all those nonverbal cues and the verbal ones too.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that. <laughs> we we need more people geeks. Um, I think the world would be a better place with more people geeks <laughs> around. <laughs> For sure. Uh, well, very, very good. All right. So tell us a little bit more about collaborative leadership. Uh, your organization, you already gave us a little bit of a teaser about that, um, but you can go into that a little bit more. Um, but why collaborative leadership? Why did you name it that? Why is that the focus of of the work that you do?
1: One of our core service offerings is how we help teams of people. It's one of the agile approaches called scrum, which Mm -hmm. is just a, a metaphor for a rugby like huddle, you know, a scrummage people working together. And when I named the company, I wanted to ensure that it wasn't specific to any domain, anything specific with software development, even though that's a popular use of our our methods. I didn't want Scrum or Agile to be in the name because sure, those are only two of the frameworks we leverage, but we leverage other things too. And the whole point is for people to collaborate, people to work together. And I certainly am the founder. And if you looked at, you know, the paper and the, the business filing and all that happy stuff, it does say Angela Johnson, CEO, Angela Johnson, president and founder. I very much take input from others on my team. And so this isn't my company, it's our company. And we can help others by bringing other disciplines in. So we wanted the name to be pretty agnostic. And so we primarily teach, coach, guide in that kind of space. But in 2019, right before a global pandemic, (laughs) spoiler, we signed a lease for 8,000 square feet. Cause we're yeah. like, you know what? Holding our events are really, it's really starting to reflect poorly on our brand to go to a hotel where the acoustics mm-hmm. are terrible, or you pay five bucks for a can of Coke or it's dingy and dodgy furniture. So one of my team members literally said, how hard could it be? Why don't we just do it for ourselves?" Famous last words, right? How hard could it be? So we opened this 8,000 square foot event center and then the global pandemic shuts us down and most of our services flipped virtual so one of the things that we did is we started marketing the space out to other people not like a co-working space because we don't lock people into memberships or community or any of that nonsense we're mm-hmm. pay to play so oh you just want to hold a training event boom we got gotcha. you oh you just want a desk for a day with a door we got gotcha. you you know and that little side hustle has mm. kind of become the main event right now so thank thank goodness for that lease <laughs> it kept us disciplined.
0: Isn't it amazing how things like that can emerge when it's not our plan at all? Um, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, like a core piece of your business or, or, or a core activity, um, you know, emerges from, from the mess, you know, of like, in this case, the, the global pandemic, I can only imagine how much you were sweating. Um, (laughs) In the early days of the pandemic. Or throwing out. When everything (laughs) shuts down.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. And we got to flip a couple of these little offices. I'm sitting in one of them right now talking with you. We got to flip them into a studio with a professional microphone and beauty lights so you can't see my wrinkles and acoustic panels. That way we can provide a higher quality experience for our virtual trainings too.
0: All right. So as, as you create the space, right, for these collaborative um, work environments, whether it's virtual or in person or even just a, I need a day to work in an office, um, you also do a lot of support around creating these collaborative leadership teams. You talked about sc- Scrum, right? And you And mm-hmm. I know you do work around what you call the Scrum Master Files. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: The Scrum Master Files is the name of my book, and it's actually a collection of my early failings. Mm -hmm. I always say fail stands for first attempt in learning. So what I've literally done is taken the case studies from when I was brand new, anonymized those, no non-disclosures were violated, and put the reader firsthand walking them through that case study, and they get to identify what they would do if they were in that situation. But then more importantly, we talk about what did happen. And what they could do next. Because if somebody's new to using Scrum, they're like, how do I know what to do? What does it look mm-hmm. like? What does it sound like? What what if I find myself in a situation I've never been in before? And then, you know, they have this wonderful little playbook to use. On the flip side of that, experienced graduates of mine have read that book and said, you must be talking about my company. Oh my gosh. I was in that exact situation. I'm like, this, this is just universal, right? You, you all got people, you all got the same problems. <laughs> you know. So the people stuff is what's universal and they loved having a kind of a third party, right. Uh, telling them, try this, try this. So the book has really been kind of, you know, for those graduates, for those coaches, those new scrum masters, finding themselves just needing a nudge in the right direction.
0: And, you know, I've heard a lot about Scrum um, in various agile methodologies and, and such. And I haven't really, I, I, there's been elements of these various things that I've tried to incorporate, but I've never like fully leaned into Scrum, uh, for example. Maybe describe that for us a little mm-hmm. bit more for anyone who, who I mean, I'm sure everyone listening has heard Scrum, right? But maybe not as familiar with the, the workings of it. And how can that connect with and Help us to be more collaborative in our leadership approach. I mean, I, I hopefully it's probably obvious, like, yeah, if you have these huddles, if you have these scrum meetings, you know, you're going to be more collaborative as a team. How can I use that as a leader to help make sure that I'm fostering an environment and a culture of collaboration?
1: For sure. The first myth to bust is that it's all about software development which Mm -hmm. isn't true. It's about product development. We have school teachers using this approach to run their classrooms. We have graduates flipping houses using Mm -hmm. this approach. Yes, it's popular in software too, but 10 people or less people working together in this rugby, like huddle in this scrum. So the daily scrummage that you touched on that daily conversation is only one element to make Mm -hmm. everything big and visible. So if we have everything big and visible, so it's not a status report. I mean, this isn't about being an adult daycare provider. This is about, you know, (laughs) trusting people to be accountable and to say, here's where I'm really stuck. I could use your help or somebody else listening to their teammate talk about an issue I've solved that problem before I can totally help you after this. So it's all about that transparency. So another big element of the framework is keeping work visible. That's why the mm. post-it notes on the wall pre-pandemic were so popular because if work is big and visible up where we can see it, then we can more readily help each other and grab what's next. Now with everything, you know, flipping to virtual and people working remotely, uh everybody loves their tools. You can have these you know, virtual post-its in a tool, but I call those information refrigerators because somebody has to go into them to get something out of them. So you can still, to the extent that you look at it, keep the work visible. But as a leader, the biggest piece of the framework that helps me is the ordered list, because if everything is priority, nothing is. Somebody with the best of intentions might be working on something, and from a company standpoint, from our goals and objectives standpoint, it might be the least effectual thing that we need right now. Right. So there's there's no shortage of stuff on that list, but we work from top down so that we're all pulling together on the highest priority goals and objectives. That's the most important part.
0: Yeah, we often work counter to the overall mission values and, and core objectives of the organization, not on purpose, but just because of drift or because of distractions or, I mean, there's a variety of things, right? External pressures. All of a sudden we'd start to focus on other things. Sometimes we need to pivot, right? But a, a lot of times we just need to prune mm-hmm. <laughs> and we need to, to, to stay, uh, hold fast, you know, to really what we're trying to do because it can become really enticing to chase every little shiny object or every little, um, idea, and you know, I, I'm all for brainstorming and coming up with really outlandish things, and and then trying and experimenting and iterating. Like that's fantastic, but we got to do that in a controlled way, and not okay. allow ourselves to totally get off off track. Um, experiment in a controlled way, and then if we decide, okay, yes, we should start to pivot. We should start to shift our focus. We should change our strategy. That's cool, you know, but that's not usually what we're talking about when when that starts to happen.
1: And a common question you'll hear on our team, if somebody is drifting or just gravitating towards something they're comfortable with or that they just, oh, I know how to do this, so I'm gonna grab it even though it's not from the top of the list. And so we'll ask, are you taking that because you know how to do it and you're comfortable or do you not know how to do what the, the high priority item is? On the flip side of that, if somebody says, well, I don't know exactly how to do that. You'll hear somebody else say yet. You don't know how to do it yet. Let me pair with you. I just paired with a team member who's more proficient on something on our website than I am this morning. And I said, will you come and show me? But I drove on the keyboard and that person talked. That's the way I learn. I'm not going to (laughs) learn if somebody says, oh, let me do it for you. Mm -hmm. That's learned helplessness. So we're all about sharing the responsibilities, but we're also about continuous learning.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love continuous learning. That mentality is so extremely important. Um, Let's, in our last little bit of time together, let's talk more about your book. Um, you, You talked about how some of these, you know, quote unquote failures Led to the Scrum Master files and and putting together your story in your book. Um, tell us more about like why you decided to do this, how pulling those pieces in uh, became empowering and 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 helpful not just to you but to others. Um, and ultimately, we can end with this question, why is business agility so difficult for so many organizations to achieve? I think we all get it. Like we all understand we need to be collaborative. We understand that we need to be agile. We're in a complex marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think anyone doesn't understand that yet. We we're really pretty bad at it. Um, and, and most organizations don't do this well. And th- and that's why you have so many of the issues um, that, that we see persistent uh, in, in the marketplace. Right.
1: For sure. The book was kind of a a three time failed attempt. You know, 10 years ago, I had this amazing client that was just one of my poster children for scrum and agility. Just the things we were able to do was amazing. So I said, I'm going to tell our story. And I even flew to their location, interviewed some of the senior leaders. And as I was trying to write it, I had this overwhelming sense of guilt because it's like, Mm. this is not my story. This is their story. And as a coach. I didn't tell them what to do. I asked the tough questions, but ultimately they had to make the changes. So I abandoned the project. I just let it sit. Then I had an author friend who was like, you just need a ghostwriter. You just need to talk. And that person can type. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Oh, gross. It wound up not sounding like me at all. I mean, I mean, no disrespect to ghostwriters out there or somebody who's working with one caution, caution, caution. You might wind up with a manuscript that sounds nothing like you. And be careful because that becomes your identity. It becomes your calling card. It becomes, you know, your name's on that thing. So then I was just in a funk. Nothing like a global pandemic with time on your hands to, to resurrect an idea. And what was really resonating with my students was my case studies. And they're like, where can I get more of these? Aha, that's mm. what's in it for the reader. That's what's in it for them is the learning from these case studies. So then I very quickly pivoted, adapted and put a collection of those into the book. And I, in the spirit of continuous learning, uh, published it myself because I had been very frustrated by the traditional publishing route and Amazon makes it so easy. So I got the Kindle out there. I got the paper book out there. And then I went one step further because some of my students are like, Gosh, I could almost hear you telling this case study as if I was back mm-hmm. in your workshop. So I narrated and published my own audiobook via Audible. So a lot of learning, a lot of fun. But the million dollar question you posed is, you know, we all know we need to be agile, business agility. Can we turn on a dime for a dime? Why are we so bad at it? Because leaders don't set the tone. They'll say things like, go agile, just figure it out. And people struggle. So people on their teams may want with the best of intentions to achieve those goals and objectives, they are confused. So it might look like resistance, but the reality is they don't know where to start. So the leader has to give very clear direction and we all have to be pulling together because if we're pulling in disparate, different directions we're not going to achieve those goals and objectives and leaders think that they, you know, Oh, I sent an email. I told them Right. (laughs) average adult needs to hear things seven times, seven ways. Did they get the email? Did they read the email? Did they interpret it? You know? So I'm like, you are the leader. You have got to set that tone and be very clear and deliver that message multiple times, multiple ways and ask people if they understand your intent to be sure. Otherwise you don't know
0: that's one of the frustrations I have. I'm all about communication and transparency, and I don't think most people are nefarious in their lack of communication or transparency. No, They don't have
1: the worst intentions. No,
0: (laughs) no. I mean, some do. I mean, sometimes there is an agenda and, and whatnot, and, you know, knowledge is power and they try to control it. You know, that does happen. But in my experience, most people think they think they're being communicative and transparent. Um, and yet nobody knows what's going on and everyone's frustrated. And, and, and then people start when there's a lack of communication and information, people start to fill in the gaps and they start to That's gossip the and goes. they start to make stuff mm-hmm. up. Right. And then the leaders are like befuddled. They're like, why I'm, I'm, I, I sent that email <laughs> or we, <laughs> we had an them. all hands meet. We had an all hands meeting once, two years ago, you know, right? <laughs> and Don't you love and that. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a common, it's, it's, I would say it's almost like a caricature, except it's so common. It's not really a caricature. It's just really what ends up happening. And because most people just aren't paying attention to to the consistency that needs to happen. So if you want to be collaborative, if you want to be agile, you have to communicate. You have to over-communicate. Overly Um, communicate. As you were describing earlier with these scrum meetings, like it has to be present. Like people just have to know what's going on. And if Mm -hmm. people don't know what's going on, of course, it's going to be harder to to work together towards mutual aims and objectives. Um, people are going to start to do you know what they're comfortable with, what what they're good at, uh, maybe at the expense of what is necessary. Um, and all of these other things start to 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 fall um, you know the, the important things fall by the wayside and and all of a sudden we have these types of problems that are so so common uh, within organizations. Well Angela. I note the time. I need to let you go here in just a minute. Um, Before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, where they can find your book, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Okay. We were joking at the beginning of this conversation about my wildly generic name. LinkedIn is where I hang out. But if you put in Angela Johnson Scrum, I will pop (laughs) <laughs> right up to the top of your list, you know, 32,000 Angela Johnsons, but Angela Johnson Scrum LinkedIn direct message me. Let's start a conversation. Collaborativeleadershipteam.com of course is our, our website and the Scrum Master Files has its own website, scrumfiles.com, which you can check out if you would like. We have a free gift. Uh, you can download an easy way to get started with Scrum and Agile. To wrap up the topic, I would say to the leaders listening, about the time you're driving yourself nuts with the number of times you think you've communicated the message, that's just when it starts sinking in. So you're going to need to demonstrate an awful lot of patience. You have to patiently, passionately persist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Thank you so much, Angela. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected. Find out more about what Angela and her team can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe and please join us again soon.